Hello, my name is Russell Howcroft and I've been, well, I've lived a lot of lives. I've been an ad man, a CEO, a chair, an author, a panellist, and I'm currently co-host of a radio show on 3RW and I'm partner, chief creative officer at the Sayers Group and I host this podcast. Welcome to Conversations. That's Conversations, a Sayers podcast. Throughout my time, I've learned that so much in life starts with, yep, a conversation, and that's what we're going to do right here today. I was going to say the famous Sammy Kumar, the great Sammy Kumar. We've got Sammy Kumar with us. Sammy's the co-founder and CEO, Advisory Investments at Sayers, um, where I'm also a, a, a partner. So um, this is us talking to each other, Sammy. Fantastic. G'day, <laughs> g'day Russ. Good on you, Sammy. Lovely it's, to be here. It's great, it's great having you here in the uh, conversation studio. Now, what we'd love to do is we're going to play you some audio and we want you just to, we really want you to be relaxed as you have this conversation. So we're going to play you some audio and that audio, it's designed to just get you into into a really good space, okay? So I'm going to play the audio. In fact, Freddie, who produces, he's going to play the audio and then afterwards I'm just going to ask you to tell me where you really want to be, okay? Okay. So let's have a listen. One thing I'll tell you for free, I don't want to be on the last one. The last bit, you know, it's like I'm going around That's a scary. That I'm one around a scary. Good hype. That one. <laughs> Where would you like to be? The third one, I think. That is a beach. The beach? Yeah. I'm with you. Um, okay, so we're at the beach. Now, have we got towels at the beach? Are we lying down or are we sitting in the chair? I think you, you want... Uh, yeah, you definitely want some towels. You want an umbrella. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, especially in the southern hemisphere, yeah. uh, and you want a uh, a nice, cool, nice esky full of uh, cold drinks. Beautiful. And are we budgie smugglers or are we boardies? Uh, boardies. Okay, good man. <laughs> so that's where we, we are. Don't, we don't need to see um, everything there, Russ. <laughs> right. So that's where we are. Okay. So let's have Fantastic. a chat. Let's have a chat, Sammy. So when I think about you, and then you know what? When I Google you as well, there's just this overriding. There's a modesty about you. There is a genuine modesty about you. Um, where's that come from? Oh, but I don't know. It's hard to hard to answer a first question about modesty uh, and then try and talk yourself up. So that's probably designed uh, by you, Russ, deliberately. Uh, but I think it's probably background comes from culture, uh, immigrant parents, of which there'd be lots and lots of stories in in uh, in Australia, uh, born overseas. Uh, and, you know, sort of uh, that classic working-class immigrants trying to, trying to make a living in a, in a new country uh, and, you know, strive, work hard. Your work will be what mm. pays off for you, uh, not, not anything else. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you don't have a lot of family there. You, you develop friendships. Uh, families all sort of back in the in the home country, and and you got to work for everything you you get, and you let your work speak for um for for, its, for itself. And it certainly has done that, and we're going to get onto your work. Um, Melbourne. Yes, love it, always. You were brought up in Melbourne. Yeah. School in Melbourne. Yeah, all of the above. So parents emigrated. I had my second birthday here. Uh, born in uh, India, 
and then grew up in, in Melbourne and have had uh, – my parents are uh, a travellers. Um, dad was a, uh, a professor, uh, operations research, so mathematics. Wow. Um, uh, so we did spend stints overseas in, in, in the US and, and Europe, uh, but Melbourne's always been home and, uh, and I'm very parochial <laughs> Melbourne uh, man. For, for the city. <laughs> so – but you, you you are I think a typical uh, professional Melbourneian in that you are also you're also very worldly. I mean you're, you're quite happy to get on a plane, right? Very happy. Love love travelling. Have had uh, you know long stints living over overseas, uh, and and love every aspect of it. Uh, but where where if you said which city is is home, there'd mm-hmm. be there'd be nothing nothing nowhere else I'd want to live. There'd be nothing else. Uh, I, I love every aspect of of this city. Uh, but yeah, absolutely love travelling and uh, and 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 what that brings, I think is a and I think a lot of Melbournians, a lot of Australians have that in them, and I think that's actually adds a lot to the fabric of, of our country and our city. Yeah, agreed. So tell us more about Melbourne. Um, tell us more about your passion for it, your love for it. Uh, so what is it? What is it about it? Oh, look, I think it's the it's the outdoor culture, it's the sport, uh, it's the fact that you can be passionate about. Um, you could be at passionate about art. You could be passionate about um, uh, sport. You can be passionate about culture. Uh, you know your food, your wine. Uh, I think it is a bit clicky, which is which you which is hard to observe if you grow up in in Melbourne mm-hmm. because you you're, you're part of a click. <laughs> uh, but you know, but uh, it is interesting to hear other people's observations of that. But but when you're in it. Um, it's it feels embracing. It feels warm um, as a as a community and uh, and as a circle. And so many people grow up here and and are friends for. It's not unusual to hear you know you've been friends for 10, 20, 30, 40, 40 years. Generational friends. Generational friends. And there's a there's a richness and an intimacy that comes with that, which is which if you contrast it to even some other cities in in Australia, I don't know you quite find the same thing i mean we often talk about it being the smallest five million population city in the world i, I don't know whether you'd agree with that yeah no that's a wonderful way to one way wonderful way to put it 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 really is uh communities within within an overall community and you see how melbourne grew up you know sort of uh waves of immigration and uh they sort of come and 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 melbourne's sort of grown out and th- there's it is a bit too geographically di- uh, dispersed now, and that that has its own issues. Uh, but there's a richness in the in the multiculturalism, which uh, which is another factor uh, which makes it so special. I agree with you on that because the multicultural um, aspect of Melbourne is clearly a big part of who and what we are, and it's one of the reasons why we're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now, however, however. I feel like there was a time, there was a time probably 30 years ago when, maybe even 40, gee, when we worked harder at celebrating multiculturalism. Is that a fair observation? Look, it might be. I, I think it's just more inherent now. I think the, the richness of uh, how communities celebrate their own culture and how accepted and embraced that is and yep. how other people join in um you know my, myself uh, coming from from india 
and you've got you know some of the Indian festivals and Diwali being the most notable massive of 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 those festivals. I, I think it's embraced uh, pretty broadly now by the community. Obviously, uh, as as a as a celebration of 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 life and a celebration of multiculturalism. So I, I think that's a it's fair that we don't have to sh- we don't shout it from the rooftops as much as we we used to. Mm. Uh, but I think it's more ingrained and more inherent, uh, and and it's 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 weaved in more into the f- to the fabric. Yeah, uh, yeah. I feel. Yeah, yeah, I buy that. So, um, school, then of course uni, Monash, I think. Yes. Yeah, good man. Um, now numbers. Uh, obviously, the, uh, your father was a big on numbers. Um, was he happy when you said I'm going to be an accountant? Yeah, I. I Probably I mean, was that good enough? Prob- is really where I'm going. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably not. Um, if you, if you know immigrant uh, Im- immigrant parents, the the or- the hierarchy is is medicine, mm-hmm. uh, law, yeah, uh, and then probably accounting after after that. So finance, yeah, subset accounting. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> that's right. So um, my business degree probably wasn't at the highest end of. The aspirations that my parents had for me uh, growing up. So where do, where does Ad Guy sit in the uh, migrant hierarchy? Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think an Ad Guy like you would sit at the top. Oh Russ, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so Monash <coughs> Accounting, straight to PwC. Yeah, straight from uni to PwC. So graduated. Was it PwC then, or was it Cooper's Library and Pricewaterhouse and all it was that? Pricewaterhouse. Okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, straight to. To Pricewaterhouse PW, as it was uh, known back then, then obviously the the, the merger and uh, became PwC. So when you first went to PwC, um, was that the era or PW? Was that the era when they had their own corporate song? I don't <laughs> remember a corporate song. I do remember an in-house gym, an in-house spa uh, in the in the building, and. Uh, uh, back that was back yeah eighty eighty nine uh, on the corner of Spring and Lonsdale but I don't remember a corporate song because <laughs> oh, that, that's a pity because I was going to get you to sing yeah. it so um, now, thankfully <laughs> that's the right answer then <laughs> now the partners had offices I imagine yeah the partner offices were beautiful although maybe a little bit of a step down because when I joined I started in eighty nine at uh, at PW and that building was brand new it was newly minted oh. uh, built. And uh, we had we had the whole building, a uh, beautiful green and purple number uh, uh, there, and the partner offices were were amazing. But I think they were even more ornate mm-hmm. uh, if if you go back in history. And as an example of that, when I went to, uh, I, I had uh, several years in San Francisco and New York, and they were real partner offices. <laughs> uh, so uh, that was everything you, you can imagine. In fact, I think when you made partner. In the US firm, they gave you a fifty thousand uh, dollar decorating allowance. Oh wow! To to uh, decorate your office as you see fit, as so you wished, right? So you could have what you have your liquor cabinet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of at up to a certain point in time, um, humidors and 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 all sorts of things. But uh, yeah, no, that was a different era. Well, we have to ask the question: What happened? Don't know, don't know. Uh, it's it's all it's all in the name of progress. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, right? Well, the, well, clearly it's all about footprint as well, right? So, someone somewhere, an accountant, did a calculation on the amount of space that you were using versus what your productivity. I don't know. I'm I'm sure that was part of it. Uh, I'm sure as rents rents went up and uh, profitability became the 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 aim of the the game. Uh, 
look, all those things were were trappings and prestige and hierarchy, and uh, you know there there's there's probably some niceness to it if when you're on the inside, but yeah, completely completely wrong for for our times. And I think if you if you need those things to get get your kicks these days, then uh, you 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 know there's there's probably better ways to to uh to get happiness than uh, a fifty thousand uh, dollar allowance for your office. Yeah, okay, we'll t- we'll discuss that off air. <laughs> so, Sammy, um, we've actually known each other a long time. Um, yeah. I, I reckon I would have first walked into PwC. I'm going to say two thousand and nine. You know, there or there or thereabouts. Yep. And I was immediately surprised at the culture. Positively surprised at the culture. So just give us a maybe just give us an insight on what it taught you the 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 entity that is PwC from a cultural perspective. What's what, what's your takeaways? So, look, I think it, it, PwC and and indeed, in fairness, you know its major competitors are a, are an amazing force, and they can only be an amazing force because they do amazing good. Mm. And there wouldn't be many uh, industries. On, on earth where the the largest four players have grown at 10 percent or thereabouts every year year after year after year decade after decade with the odd blip for a GFC or an economic meltdown in a, in a certain country or, or significant upheaval uh, but overall globally it is it is a, a force and now it, it can't be a force as I said unless it's doing some some amazing good and so that then translates into into a culture. You've got you've got a cons- you've got security and growth uh, for the people who who embrace it, uh, and then it provides you with immense challenge to to be um, to be you know into into that culture and the opportun- the vastness of the opportunities that you get in in PwC is uh, I think second to none. Yeah. So you, you were an accountant, but then at some point in time you said, actually, I'm going to be a consultant. So yeah. Ha- so tell us, tell us about that. So I think it's a well, especially when I joined, it was a well-trodden path to join uh, a- as an accountant. That was mainly who they, the, the, the firm recruited. Uh, I didn't last... Too long? Were you a I was gonna, were you a good accountant? Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna come to that. I think <laughs> part of the decision making was um, how good an auditor I was. Um, okay. I'd say I was okay accountant, but not the best auditor. Okay, and um, and I saw greener pastures in uh, in being able to to work in in consulting. So I made the transition pretty quickly. So so consulting is a very big word, right? It's a catch all word. So tell us about you know early days consulting. What were you actually doing? Oh, look, the, the very early days, it was whatever was the the biggest issues in in front of our our big clients, right? So everything from uh, helping them get ready for major court cases to doing business cases for big investment decisions to um, process enhancement uh, type type of reviews. So to be honest, it was it was born out of hey. You know, we've got some big clients. They they have a bunch of things they need help with, and we're just going to dive in and, and and help them. And it really was an extension of of other relationships we that we already had. So when I when I um, experienced the the consultant side of the business, I thought this is actually interesting. In that if you get if you put a P and L in your mind, 
and then you've got all the expenses that uh, that any organisation would have. It's almost like there is a consultant, a consulting partner per expense line. <laughs> Fair, yes, yes, and long may that continue. <laughs> yeah. But is that the strategy, or is that just sort of how it plays out? No, it's how it plays. It how it plays out. I mean, there is just so much to do, mm. and the the most competent management. Uh, teams in in the world is how do they get everything done and how much expertise can you can you hire in in house right. and that's uh, that's what really what consulting uh, provides in its in its various areas of specialism. Uh, and so tell me then, uh, how come organisations, consultants, the big four, what was it about the digital world that became attractive? It's any major uh, change to business is going to require major change in business mm. and it goes back to the same point do companies have all of the information the talent the experience and the bandwidth to be able to do all the things necessary for right. any big change right. and digital internet 1.0 2.0 .3, the fifth industrial revolution they're just coming faster and harder than ever before right. and consultancies are smart and they know that if they build up skills and talent and experience in those areas, that there's going to be more demand for them. At what point did you co-author a book? I think the book was around 2000. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah 1999, 2000. And its core, its core proposition? Revenue assurance or revenue maximisation. So, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, a dollar in the, the top line doesn't always translate efficiently to the bottom line. Okay, so it was about getting fit for purpose. It was, yeah. Okay, which is in effect cutting costs. Not necessarily cutting cost. It was maximising uh, how you think of uh, all the revenue opportunities. It was actually and the efficiency of your processes at the back end. It mm -hmm. wasn't. It wasn't cutting anything per se. Okay, so it was about okay, but fit was fit is fair though. Yeah, fit fitness of your revenue cycle, fitness of your of your operations mm -hmm. to ensure that you've maximised how a dollar at the top line got through. Okay, what about growth advice? Yeah, that that book itself didn't deal right. deal with it, but yeah, growth has become one of the the really big challenges, especially for listed entities. And and you know, it, you won't be surprised that you, any study will see that that private companies. Uh, amazingly, for some reason, are able to grow a lot right. faster than than public. Uh, so that that is a major area of opportunity. So this is the next book, which I'm, you know, this is what I want to I want to ask you about, Sammy. Any thoughts on the next book? Look, I think the next book, um, the topics are one one would be growth in the fifth industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. uh, the second would be just just this issue of. Um, Leading in complex times. Leading? Leading, yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, in, in complex times. And and how people navigate uh, change. Because I'd, I'd, I'd argue that, you know, to be a leader now, you have to be much more nuanced, much more of almost a psychologist, more than a, a manager of, yeah. of, uh, of processes and, and numbers. So if you think about growth, fifth industrial, leading complex times, change. I want to take you into the US. Are they good at that? I think the the economy is so big and there's such a competitive environment that there's a lot of theories that get tested. And there's a there's a there's an enormous amount of capital everywhere. Yeah. 
So so they test a lot more, and I think they fail a lot more. But but out of those uh, multiple tests, there's lots of examples of uh, immense success. And my observation would be that they're good at sharing how it's how success has been achieved, or is that not right? No, I think that's right. I think they're also really good, uh, especially in technology, at l- leveraging from failure. Okay, yeah. No, so growth, fifth, industrial, leading complex times, change, managing change. Asia, how are they at that? Uh, so, again, I think Asia, my observation is they are amazing at thinking long-term and one of the absolute preconditions of successful growth is is I think having a long-term mindset you you read about the stories of instant success and even those instant success stories usually have an amazing longevity of wilderness before before they pop out and and they're they're very successful but Asians uh, many countries and companies and the mindset I think is is longer term and that sets a a really good framework for for growth uh, and making decisions in a in a considered way. So I obviously I asked you about USA and Asia because you've worked at length in both of those markets, know them well. Yep. Um, of course, you've worked most of all in Australia. So if you think about the big things, those big that you've just mentioned, how to get growth, what's happening in fifth industrial revolution, how do you lead in difficult times, how do you manage change and change for good, presumably, our marketplace. Yeah, I think it's. I think there's lots of areas and um, and companies and and leaders that uh, are to be admired uh, that are doing some great things. Mm-hmm. Overall, though, I think it's a mixed report card for for us. I'm not. I'm not sure we've done an amazing job with productivity over the last decade or two. Yeah, two. Uh, I don't think that. I think we've got an innate conservatism. Uh, in the in the executive ranks and and the and the board ranks, I think we've got a analyst community and a and also a press that, uh, whilst it's under they, they reward certainty, and and I think certainty comes from okay setting setting lower bars lower targets. Uh, if you want an analyst model, the best way to to promise an upgrade in profit is to cut costs. Not not to invest for the future. Investment is more it is more risky, whereas costs you can control, you can you can cut it. And so you, you put those numbers into a model and you, you you get a you get a buy recommendation because the the profit's gonna go up yep. against your against the peer group. So so we, we reward a lot of that and it's self reinforcing uh, for large parts of uh, large parts of our economy. And so I think we've got a mixed report card. Having said that, as I said before, I think there are uh, there are standouts on 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 all those things. And will those standouts tend to be private in the private sector? As my observation is more, yep. it, it, I don't think it's necessarily uh, a precondition. But for I think the privates can do some of the things that we just talked about. So I think they can take a longer term view. Uh, I what we what we talked about from from an Asian perspective. Yep. I think they are not; they're, they're less afraid to to try things and fail, and and be very honest about those failures and what needs to be to be done differently. I and mean, the consultants would call it pivoting, uh, or, or or Silicon Valley would call it pivoting. But it's just it's, a, it's another way to say, hey, we you know we tried something, it didn't work. Let's let's what else can we can we do? And so, private seems to embrace those things more. 
Uh, we had Kate Cornick, um, Launch Fix CEO. We had her on the um, on our conversation, sales conversation. She told us a couple of things. One, in the UK, there's a unicorn born every week. She also told us most recently at a grid event, actually not on the conversation, but on the grid event, that there are twice as many startups in Sydney as there are in Melbourne. Just when I just hear those two facts, I just I do get anxious about where we where we are right now when we think about the immediate future and the longer term. Or should I just, you know, not toss and turn at night, Sammy? I think there is more room for optimism. Uh, I think that is that those stats uh, are right. In fact, most of the the VC money in Australia doesn't just go to Sydney; it goes to Surrey Hills <laughs> in Sydney. Um, so that's that's where uh, there's there's an immense concentration. But I think it is changing. I think there is a lot more capital in the system than there ever has been. I think there's a lot more appetite to invest. Uh, through the cycle, there are pockets of areas, um, sort of Series A, etc., which I'm not sure are, are as well as well served. Yeah, we we now have uh, foreign VC very interested in Australia, and there's been some notable big deals. Uh, we've got Australian-born VC maturing. The big ones are are certainly at at scale and and are looking overseas. Uh, we've got Australian PE. Uh, you know. The, there's there's so much money pouring into superannuation. They they have some exposure in PE or quite a bit of exposure in PE, from maybe less in VC. Mm-hmm. But I think that'll become a more predominant part. So I think we've got a lot more capital. I think we've got uh, some some amazing success stories on which to to leverage and, and celebrate. Office, you know, I think we've got our own unicorn stories happening. And so I think there's room for optimism. Okay, good. What role does Sayers play? in this new growth, fifth industrial, leading complex times, change world? Yeah, our, our philosophy, Russ, as you, as you know, is, is about new quo. Right? It's, and I know that to some that may sound trite, but that is, is a determination that the status quo won't get us there. So that what, that whilst there's room for optimism, the stats are what you, what you said there are mm. and what we talked about in the, in the listed. And so... We, we have a mission around breaking the status quo and embracing uh, what uh, might be the opportunities that the fifth industrial revolution, you know, promise anyone who, who's prepared to go there. We also have a mantra around um, doing better things mm. rather than just incremental. Uh, the incremental is, is fine and should be part of a portfolio, but that shouldn't be the ambition in, in our view. So Sayers have, has some areas of uh, expertise and... And our real philosophy is we, we want to uh, co-invest with uh, our, our partners of choice for, for real breakthrough, new quo value in the medium term. Now, I'm not sure how to get into this part of what I wanted to ask you about. So I'm just going to sort of crack on and see where, <laughs> we, where we land. Uh-oh. No, no, it, it's sort of, it's this broad notion of creativity. Now, Sammy, you are a really creative cat. Um, I enjoy having conversations with you when you're telling me about ideas and and then, you know, we have a little bit of, you know, idea tennis and I see you get really energised by ideas. Just just maybe, I don't know, it's, is it a philosophical question, just your perspective around the role of creativity? It's It should be at the heart of creating new value, new ideas. It, so it does give me personal energy. You're 100% right. Uh, I love... Uh, 
uh, and part of working with Sayers is working with some absolutely brilliant people who've got amazing ideas and that energy is in, infectious. And, and I do think that, that therein lies um, the secret sauce to that creativity, those, that, that idea, creating a culture of creativity uh, so that one idea can be expanded and, and uh, you know, made significantly better than where it began. Uh, so I think it, it should be the central thesis of, uh, of a lot of how we can get breakthrough. Uh, and I think you've been an observer in the past of, you know, we're all born with, with a tremendous amount. It gets knocked out of us uh, through, through, to- through time and, and school and, and all the other uh, aspects of life. So it's in us. Um, we just need to find a way to, to embrace it. Good man. No wonder I like you. <laughs> Sammy, tell us other interests. Hawthorne? Yeah. Hawthorne Football Club. Um, yeah, I know. You're pretty big on the Hawks. I do love the Hawks. And they're not going too badly. Yeah. So maybe maybe the promise of another era um, in the future. A bit of work to, to do. But, I, but I've loved them... Uh, yeah, since since I can since I can remember, uh, one of those diehard football fans where where um, you know when I was very little, I would have even cried over the result. It it, it still makes or breaks a, a weekend for for me. You've had a pretty good run. We've had a very good run. <laughs> um, yes, we've had a very good run. So we can't complain, but we're always hungry for for more. Russ, beautiful. Uh, I love my my cricket. I love I love nearly all sport, mm. but. Footy and cricket are probably at the at the top. Uh, probably tennis after after that. Um, love all sport, like like most uh, Australians. Uh, I um, am am passionate about um, my community uh, and you know the Indi- Indian diaspora and and what uh, you know their position is in Australia and what uh, their contribution is and and what what else that can involve uh, evolve there. Uh, so there, yeah. There's there's probably a couple. Children's hospital. Yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to get um, serve on a couple of boards. So Royal Children's, including the the foundation uh, board, which does the the fundraising and the and the main hospital. Uh, it's it's an amazing institution, and it's it's built by Victorians. That's that's what makes it so special. Uh, that that Good Friday appeal and and all the generosity all year round. It is. You can see it. Lucky enough to see that money translate into either exceptional people or equipment or research that you just wouldn't get anywhere else. It is an incredibly special thing that the Victorian community uh, has built up over years, and and we own it. And thank God, governments of all persuasions have supported that um, that thing. So it's a it's a privilege to serve on that. I'm pleased you've mentioned the word government um, because I just want to go to, I just want to give you the keys to the car, Sammy, and say, righto, you're the boss. You're the boss, um, as in you're the country's boss. I, I, I don't know, a week. I'm going to give you the, you're a boss for the week. Give us some thoughts on what, what you might do. They can be outrageous, whatever you want to do. Look, I think I'd, I'd want to put innovation on the, on the agenda. I think we had a failed attempt from Turnbull some mm-hmm. time ago. Innovation Nation. Yeah, there was so there's a bit of rhetoric and there was a, a tiny bit of momentum and we've we've I think we've since regressed and I don't know why uh, parties have been reluctant to to really put it on the agenda. So uh, I'd 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 want to put that on there. 
Uh, it's easy to say from the cheap seats, but but I am in the cheap seats, I'll say it. Tax reform, yeah. um, consumption tax rather than uh, some of the other taxes is, I think most pundits would tell you that, you know, that would be, uh, that would help unlock significant value for us. I read the other day, if you, if you put together our income tax and corporate tax, we're the second highest in the developed world. Yeah, I think I think you've got to probably look at all all taxes to together, and I think people put certain taxes together. I, I think we are reasonably uh, highly taxed, at, mm. but I, I don't think it creates conditions where we can't invest mm. and and grow. So I still right. so I don't I think it's it's easy to point the fingers yep. at, at taxation. I think there should be tax reform. Yep. In answer to your question about what I would would do, uh, they'd probably be the in a week. Um, you know, get, getting that through Parliament would be a, a good get. Well, you can definitely uh, use tax reform to promote innovation. Yep. So we could turn that into the one, into the one thought. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> one set of legislation. Easy. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, uh, so, Sammy, look, at the risk of making this conversation a advertisement for Sayers, just give us a point of view or perspective on what, what do you think this thing called Sayers is going to become? Yeah, Sayers will become... Will, well, it will disrupt how professional services, investment banking, engineering, marketing and brand services will be thought of in Australia. Why? Because we are obsessed with our clients' medium-term outcome. And it will become a force, not because of that's not the mission in itself, but it will become a force because that's the absolute obsession of sayers. Cheers. <laughs> That is an advertisement, but it's an advertisement that I really like. (laughs) So, Sammy, it's been great having a chat to you. Um, We've been speaking to Sammy Kumar, co-founder and CEO, Advisory and Investments at the Sayers Group. Good on you, Sammy. Thanks a lot, Russ. Great talking with you.